Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Philippians 4 verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Hi everybody. Happy New Year. I hope you've had an amazing Christmas season. God has put a, a word on my heart for you um, about being a people of peace as we enter into this new year, about being filled with God's peace. We live in a very unsettling time where it feels like everything has been shaken and is being shaken and will be shaken from war to COVID to the cost of living crisis. Everything's sort of up in upheaval. I feel like my emotional well-being has been shaken over my health, over family issues. What, what, about, what about you? My sense is that many people today feel worn out, even burnt out, from navigating the upheaval of all the past recent events and challenges and change management that we have had to go through. And the question is, how can we live at peace in such disturbing and unsettling times? How can we stand firm in our faith? Well, that's what Paul was writing about to his his dear friends verse one of chapter four he says he's writing to them those he loves and he longs for that you should know how to stand firm in the lord and he should know right he's writing from prison he's being persecuted for the faith he's experienced incredible suffering he's faced unbelievable crises I would stretch the best of us. He's been beaten with rods and shipwrecked and whipped to name just a few things. And yet he's found a deep contentment and peace. 
How do we stand firm then and not drift or, or kind of slip along that slippery slope into lukewarmness, into discouragement, even into isolation? How do we stand apart as a people filled with peace in this world of division and discord and anxiety and stress? How can we shine as people of peace? Well, there are five things I want to draw out from this passage that I believe God is speaking through Paul and encouraging us to prioritise as we enter into this new year, 2023. And they're all out workings of what it really means to be a, a citizen of heaven. But before I speak to you about them, I just want to say the tone or the manner by which I speak, because I feel I share something of Paul's burden where he describes himself speaking to dear friends. He says, who I love, who I long to be with. And that's how I feel about you, Westminster Chapelers. I love you. You're my church family. I long to be with you. I wish I could meet with every one of you every day of the week almost so I could encourage you in some way. That's just not simply feasible. And arguably it's not good either because it would work against the, the culture of pastoring and loving and caring for one another that God is so beautifully creating and cultivating amongst us. But what I can seek to do is just to serve you as best as I can now by sharing from God's word and continuing to pray for you. Just, I just want you to know that that's my heart. That's the heart of the leadership. Our heart is one of love towards you, that you would know and grow in God's love and be all that you are meant to be. So here's number one of five priorities for the new year coming out of this passage. And that is that we should plead for unity. Don't go it alone. We need each other. Don't become like one of the, the coals that gets separated out in isolation, starts to cool down because it's no longer with all the other coals of the, the fiery hot love of God's local church, keeping it warm and ablaze. Don't hold grudges. Don't let a root of bitterness grow in your heart. That's partly why we're doing this unburden yourself series in a couple of weeks that's coming up so we can get rid of all of that toxic stuff so there's nothing in us individually or corporately that could grieve the Holy Spirit that we might end up on missing out of the more that God would have for us. Plead is a really strong word in the passage. It's an exhortation, it's a challenge, we've got to fight for unity. Others were, were asked to come alongside Euodia and Syntyche to help them agree, to reconcile. We are called to be peacemakers as, peacemakers. as far as it, it depends on you, be at peace with all people. But what does that look like? What, what, what does this pursuing, uh, chasing after, working for unity look like? Well, it means regularly being part of our church family. It means silencing gossip graciously. It, it means coming um, most Sundays and, and being part of a life group. It means serving faithfully and giving generously. It means fully owning the vision of the church, not grumbling or complaining or pursuing your own thing, but putting together that we as one body would have a louder, more powerful, beautiful voice to, to shout the goodness of Jesus with. It means owning this vision to see hundreds of lives transformed and tens of congregations started. It means owning the next step in that journey where we're at as a family together and believing for and working for 
222 adults in person coming and 44 children in person and being part of the strategy to achieve that of everyone bring one. Let's work for unity in this season ahead. That's the first thing. But the second thing is let's pursue joy. Let's pursue it. Let's persist in it. That is a fight for joy on as well. And I, I use that language deliberately because there is a battle to subdue the flesh and our, our feelings um, that can often be so negative and, and be, be, be joyless to subdue them and to bring them into the goodness and the joy of God, to wrestle them into a place of truth with the truth of the gospel. Because we are called here in verse 4 to rejoice Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, Paul writes, rejoice. How do we do that in difficult circumstances? Well, it's because it's in the Lord. We are to rejoice in the Lord, not in our kind of happiness, not in our sense of um, achievement, not in human approval, not in worldly success at all, in none of those things, but in the Lord. We can rejoice in the Lord, in who he is to us, that he's our Passover lamb, that he's our great high priest, that he's our advocate who unfailingly intercedes for us before the throne of heaven. That he brings us forgiveness and joy and freedom. That he has smashed a hole through death to give us eternal life. That though we die, we get to live with him and we will enjoy paradise in glory with him. We can pursue joy when we're fighting to hold on to these great truths and we begin to delight in the joy that he has for us for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross we are his joy he delights in you if you're a believer you are the apple of god's eye he delights in you he loves you and that is what we are called to rejoice in in the lord in the lord but you have an enemy satan who hates your guts and he wants to steal your joy and he will use every trick in the book that he can. He will tire you out so that you feel too worn out to enjoy the Lord. He will distract you with all sorts of things so you don't focus and make time to rejoice in and enjoy the Lord. He will get you focused on all that's wrong with the world and in your life so that you get downcast and you can't see the goodness of what God is doing. He'll stop you from being thankful at every opportunity. So how could you be kind of one thing, single-minded about pursuing joy in the year ahead? How could you make time just to be intimate with the Lord and get to know him in a bit more depth, just to enjoy him? What new rhythm of intimacy could you set up and establish of just enjoying fellowship with the Lord? Verse 5 says that the Lord is near. The Lord God Almighty, God of the angel armies, the God of love, he is near to you right now and he will be. Every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week and month throughout this year ahead, the Lord is near to you. 
will you draw near to him? Will you seek to win in this fight for joy? The third thing is pray everything. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And then the promise, verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will watch over your heart, will, will fight to protect you from accusation and anxiety and fear and doubt, and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful verse. We're called to pray in faith, to trust God with what we've prayed for, to expect him to answer because we are seeking to pray according to his will. And having left it with the almighty God, not to worry or fret or get anxious about it anymore. How could you pray more like that in this year ahead? How could you experiment with learning about different styles, different approaches to prayer? Could you read some books about prayer this year? What could they be? We've got a whole kind of selection right, right here that you could do. Could you um, take part in our Prayer Become course that will be meeting here in, in this room? Could you gather with a few friends and book a slot to pray in here? And we'll do our best to try and accommodate you. If you want to do that outside of hours, we'll, we'll, we'll try and serve you in that. Would you like to join with me at 12 noon every day and praying through parts of Romans chapter 12? Just do it on your own, wherever you are at work, but know that there's a whole group of us who are seeking to do that together, recalibrating ourselves to the will of God. Maybe you want to come and join us to our 1010 prayer meeting. There's so many ways that you could pray. You could decide to go back into the Acts acrostic about prayer a adoration c confession of sin to rejoice in his forgiveness t thanksgiving to be focused on god's goodness and s supplication or maybe you want to pray through paul's prayers in the new testament there are endless ways the key to how we we pursue prayer how we pray everything is that we must make sure we don't approach it as a transactional exercise, but a transformative one. God isn't a slot machine that we're transacting with. He's a glorious being of love who we want to be transformed by. This may sound controversial, but sometimes when I come to pray, I don't actually say many words, especially at the start. I'm spending now more extended periods just sitting in silence waiting on the Lord and just enjoying being with his, being in his presence. It's a bit like sometimes how my kids, they just want to come hold me, hug me. They don't want me to say anything to them. They don't want to say anything to me. We just want to enjoy one another in a holy, in a righteous way. And so it should be with God just to sit in sweet, satisfied submission to him and to wait on him. And in that time, if my Prayer is anything, it is let your will be my will. Transform my heart and the wills that I have that they would become your will, God. And that sort of posture is really just an expression of prayer, even the Lord's prayer. Here's the fourth thing, though, and that is we want to ponder beauty. God wants you to slow down to stop and think and consider 
these particular qualities. What is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. Don't rush through life, otherwise you might miss the beauty that God wants you to enjoy. You need to stop, slow down and focus on things that are above and are of eternal value. Maybe you need to detox from focusing on things below, like um, negative news cycles and superficial social media, and start to enjoy focusing on God, because God himself is the ultimate expression of these things, and to focus on the beauty and trueness and faithfulness, reliability of God, the nobility of God, dying for us in our place. This is what we can do, but also enjoy him in, the, in his common grace, revelation and creation from beautiful sunsets over our city to wonderful theatrical productions like Les Miserables. The fifth thing is we must practice the way. Paul says, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. We must be doers of the word, not just hearers of it. We must be appliers. We must live out the way of Jesus because it's not just about understanding and knowing things about Jesus, but it's experiencing him more intimately as we walk with him in living out his word. That's the call for us to practice the way of Jesus, which is also the way of Paul, to practice the way of prayer, the way of Sabbath, the way of generosity, the way of humility, of radical discipleship, remembering ultimately that Paul was laying down his life for Jesus and for his church. And that's our call. That's how we follow in his footsteps, to apply that every day. We're seeking to die to sin in ourselves that we might live more for Jesus. And the reward of this, verse 9, finishes, and the God of peace will be with you. You get to experience more intimately this beautiful aspect of God, his peace, his shalom, his wholeness, his joy, his rest. And just to feel safe and secure and ultimately accepted and beloved, protected. These are the aspects of God's peace that are available to you, knowing that there is peace even in the face of death. Paul writes about this before he starts chapter four. He says that God will come and he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like Jesus's glorious body. Knowing all of this will give you peace. No matter what comes your way this year, you'll know peace. And you'll be able to be filled with peace, to offer this peace to others. The peace of God, forgiveness for sins, the peace of God, being right with him. The peace of God, being able to live right and well with others. That we can be a people of peace in this increasingly anxious world that will make others curious, interested, excited to know what is the source of this peace, that we might have the joy of introducing them to the person of Jesus and that we might see hundreds of lives transformed and tens of congregations started. Oh, God of peace, thank you so much. I pray for everybody engaging with this message right now. Would you supernaturally fill everyone every member of Westminster Chapel, every attender of Westminster Chapel with your sweet, perfect, wonderful peace. Let us shine with your peace this year for the glory of your name.
Amen. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.